Ryan, Tony, and Chris We can't guarantee that you're gonna look great. But if you wanna stay in shape, well, you better hit the Chinwits. Welcome to the Jim Wits Podcast. I'm Ryan George. I'm Justin Guild, a.k.a. Chef Sonic. And I'm Tony Marinucci, a.k.a. Tips with Tony, a registered dietitian. And we are the Jim Wits. So I had a weird a weird situation with, like, like our memory is just terrible. And, uh, you know, you read all about it. And then I had this, like, interesting situation happen this week. Um, so are you able to remember what it is? Yeah, but I, clearly there are major <laughs> details that I don't remember. So, so I, I, I have a friend George who um, trains with me, and I distinctly remember us um, not too long ago, maybe early in the summer, maybe at some point in the summer. I was telling him about a book that I read. Um, I was reading the Expanse series at that point, so I'd finished the, you know one of the books in the Expanse series. And I was telling about the book. He's like, oh, you know what's a really good book? It's called The Three-Body Problem. And he starts telling me all the you know information about this book, and it was a great series. And we, I, had, I had this memory. We're sitting on the um you know next to the ring on the on the edge of the ring we're talking about this book and he's recommending he's asian i'll explain why that that matters in this situation so um you know he tells me about it and you know months go by and i had it i had it in my amazon like wish list and i finally downloaded the audiobook so um, i was training with him the other day i'm like hey by the way um, i i ordered that book um or you know i downloaded the book the three body problem listen to it he's like I, 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 what, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I'm like, the book, you told me about the book. And he, and I, I was like, you know, you, you, you absolutely told me to download this book. He's like, no, I don't read. I, I only read nonfiction. Like I don't read fiction. I've never heard of this book. It must've been someone else. And then, and so now like I, I've been on this like quest to figure out who recommended it because I was short with him. And now the problem is like, I really hope that what I discover who it is that the person's not Asian because then it'll just be really racist of me to like have just mixed him up with some to be fair my gym has like is like half Asian but still like it'll be really racist of me if I'm like oh no I just swapped George out with another Asian person especially since I know him so well so I was just like but I, I distinctly remember having that conversation with him that we he told me about the book and somebody did but now like I have to figure out who told me who recommended this book to me uh oh <laughs> no comment <laughs> I mean, look we've all done that like I, I, I've done that before not necessarily um, with someone based on race but well we don't know that for sure yet but <laughs> so, perhaps you know I'm sure I've done that with like ex-girlfriends oh my past, god I've totally done that with guys I'm not gonna where lie where I was like remember I've been this? I was like couple- oh no and like, like you play it off like <laughs> No, that literally like that happened that. to me a couple months ago. I was like convinced this guy told me his birthday was like the same date as my cousin, but I, I'm all right. Transparency. I'm single. I'm dating. I date. Oh, I go on lots of dates. Okay, so it was totally a different guy, oh, and I was like convinced it was him, and that he was lying to me about his birthday. I'm like, why would you lie to me about your birthday? And then like I realized, I was like, wait, oh, maybe wow. it wasn't that yeah. one. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Yeah. That that happens. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I'll, I'll keep I'll keep you guys updated. Like I've been asking just ran not random people. I've been asking everybody, and like you know, every time it's an Asian student, I'm like, please say no, please say no, please. I'm like, yes, okay, it's not you. I can check that person off. So I'm just we'll we'll find out if uh, if it. We'll, stay tuned to see if I'm racist. Or now, not. so here's the here's the thing with George. What, what would George say if you found, if you were like, look, it was someone else who was Asian. Oh no, he'd laugh about it. Oh, no, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. no, no. He, he's, he, so maybe he, you should just tell. Him, so maybe you should tell him that it was, even if it's not. Just to <laughs> yeah. like you know, just you know, just make it work. I, yeah. So I have a question for you, Ryan, and maybe for you as well, Tony. Have you ever priced someone out 
or get that wanted either to work with you or, or do a session or something that was either not at a great time or you didn't like the person or whatever it is, and you just and you almost wanted to make it so clear that I don't want to do this, or so you made like the price very very high for something, thinking that someone would just not buy it or maybe they did or maybe they didn't but have you ever done that before just yeah like completely priced someone out giving it a ridiculous rate for what you wanted yeah i've done that twice um and and i, I mean i mean i've maybe done it more but i i did it there was one person who wanted to train with me and they were clearly like there was just a problem person like mm-hmm. i'm you know i'm sure you both dealt with it dealing with clients like i just could tell every bit of like everything i got from them that they were going to be trouble they were going to want to cancel they were going to want to negotiate stuff they were going to not show up they were going to blame me for stuff it was just like everything about it was wrong so i you know it wasn't that i yeah and no, i kind of priced them out like i gave them a rate that was just like look i you know you're you're not going to take this um, and then, and then when I told them, worth your they trouble. tried to yeah. negotiate and I was like, no, I'm sorry. That's it. Like, you know, so blah, 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 price integrity, whatever. And then I was like, all right, they're not. And then they emailed me like, all right, let's, let's get started. Oh, and then so they, they, they bought it. Um, yeah. And I did the same thing with a 3d printing job. Like someone was like, you know, so uh, then I guess it was worth your, your trouble. You, you I made guess. It, you wanted yeah. to make it worth your trouble. I mean, yeah. though, because I have a big thing. Like I'm all about like keeping my reputation and yeah. if someone's not going to show up for calls and they're not going to take my program seriously, yeah. I don't care how much you pay. I mean, so, you know, I guess it's a little different because so. So since I don't have a program like that, it's more like you're paying for the hour with me. Like yeah. all the extra stuff is kind of ancillary. So in that way, I'm not as concerned about it affecting my reputation unless the person's running around the city, you know, saying. But but yeah, so in that way for me, it's like there was, you know, it was just like it's just it was just a painful hour. And then, you know, or anytime I worked with them, it was like painful to work with them just because <laughs> I just like the the minutes dragged on. Um, and then there was a 3D printing job that I had fairly recently where. Um, it was the same kind of thing. It was really difficult. Like when with, with 3D printing, like, it, you know, it's t- some materials, like it's all plastic, but there are different kinds of plastics and each one has a different quality and different melting points and different things. And so this person wanted a job that was a really long job and it was a really difficult thing to print, a really finicky kind of uh, material. And so they, but they needed something and they gave me, a, you know, asked me about this object. And I was like, you know, look, I, I thought what, you know, I sat there, I did like kind of did math, like what, what would be the price that would allow, you know, make me even think about doing it. And I just threw out this price whatever it was I came up with plus like 20% and they were like, okay, I just need it right away. And I was like, all right, I'll do it. And thankfully actually the job went flawlessly, but, um, yeah. Why? So I'm guessing you have a story. No, no. I I was just wondering, I have a few instances as, as my schedule starts to fill up, which I, which is a good thing. And I'm, I'm glad I'm, I'm starting to now have to pick and choose what I can do. I used to just take every job that I, I could just, just to either build up a client base, make as much money as possible. So now I'm like thinking, well, the you've talked about it before when it comes to, you know, are you going to go to the gym? Because if you go to the, if you spend an hour going to the gym or working out, now that's an hour that you don't get to sleep or it's an hour that you don't get to just watch TV or just, just something else that, has some sort of value. So I'm considering that if I have to take a gig that involves me driving 40 minutes each way and you know spending 2 hours or whatever it is, I have to factor that in to yeah. to my life. Is it worth the money and what what would really make it worth it? Yeah. So it's just it's interesting how that concept that you've talked about quite often is now is is now sort of rearing its face. So, but you have a, uh, I guess, uh, switching it up a little bit. Uh, you have a couple studies for us, right? 
Oh, well, first, Tony, you've got some Oh, yeah, news. that's yeah. right. Uh, oh, yeah, Tony <laughs> has some big news. What's the news, though? Okay, so when you guys are listening to So what are those podcast, studies, Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> when you guys are, chances are when you're listening to this podcast, I would have officially resigned from my full-time job and investing all of my time and energy into my own business full-time, and I'm really excited about it. Yay. Well, what percent excited, what percent nervous? Oh, so there's like a slight nervousness because it's like the unknown, right? You're going from a consistent paycheck um, to not knowing what's going to come to working. I mean, we actually have an interview coming up with someone who's an entrepreneur that works from home and he says it's lonely. It's like I'm 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 a very people I'm a people person. Um, So I'm going from working with a community of people to now literally working from home every day by myself. Um, so, like, there's nervousness in that aspect, like, dealing with the transition. Um, but I think a big part of it is I'm really excited. I don't. I, there's something in my gut that just told me to go for it. Financially, it almost doesn't even make any sense. Like, but at the same time, I, I do trust and believe in myself. And I have a, a purpose here on Earth to really provide value to others. And I don't think I can wholeheartedly do that while juggling everything and I think I've slowly like you guys know when we first met I was working like four different jobs and I've slowly kind of cut back and then invested more and invested more and I think I'm really just ready to just take that leap gotta take that leap at some point yeah and I think congratulations fortunately like I think it's it's tough to balance like other jobs and and really truly being an entrepreneur it's like yeah. really challenging balance and because it's so easy it, to fall back but it's yeah like, it's slightly exhausting yeah and i do believe like i am I, you know luckily because i take care of my nutrition and i exercise i do have a lot of energy and i'm yeah. able to keep up with it but i don't think i should have to yeah like, i don't think like i literally my days are from 5 a.m to a, to at least 10 p.m every day and it's it yeah. gets really exhausting uh, yeah. do you, dating is it's as a job too well, <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? I unfortunately don't have to deal with it anymore. Neither does Ryan. But yeah, I know what it's all about. Especially, well, I'm done dating too. Like honestly, at this point, I really am just investing my time and energy into my business. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it is exhausting. So I'm just gonna eliminate that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. At least, it's tiring. At least until like you, you obviously, don't... if I can't remember birthdays, it's yeah. probably I should probably slow down. Yeah. <laughs> So congratulations and uh, (laughs) yeah, no, I think it'll it'll be great. Like once you know, now that you can kind of all your efforts can kind of go into that, I think it'll it'll make some pay like huge dividends. So all right, so we got a couple couple interesting studies. Uh, See what you guys think about it. I think a lot, you know, I kind of I throw these out to generate discussion. Sometimes it generates a lot, sometimes a little. Um, You weren't here last week um, when we recorded. But um, it, we, we had a fun fun discussion that went all over the place um, th- based on one of the studies. So we'll see where this goes, uh, if, if it goes anywhere. So uh, first one is uh, was published in the New York Times, um, or I, sh- I should say oh, there's an article in the New York Times. Um, it's where I found it um, from today, I think, or yesterday. But um, the actual, it was published in the um, Journal of Nature, or published in Nature Medicine. Um, and it basically deals with how exercise keeps the mind sharp. So kind of we've known for a long time that there are cognitive benefits to exercise but i think um you know never really been sure why and i think to at some point they've been able to kind of pinpoint um a hormone called irisin um which seems to be produced during exercise and it seems to kickstart kind of mechanisms relating to energy and metabolism and so the kind of idea is that the exercise um helps the brain by increasing irisin um so basically the way that and they've and looking at kind of um uh brain like test brain tissue at brain banks, um, they found that 
brains free of dementia were high in in um this irisin um and brains of people who died with alzheimer's were it was barely detectable so this study was done with mice and so kind of you had two categories of mice you had healthy mice and then you had mice that were bred to develop rodent alzheimer's which just sucks must suck being a mouse (laughs) like you just don't know what like what you're gonna what you're gonna draw what card you're gonna draw you're gonna be like a a, you know uh, a pest to somebody you're gonna be in a in a in a hospital or, you know, test setting or whatever. Well, they'll so, have the last laugh because they'll be here a lot longer than we will. Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah. So basically, and then there's this cocktail that would inhibit irisin. So um, basic that, that if it inhibited, then it would kind of help. It would um, give, you know, they would then start to develop those. So what they found, so part of this, they, with some of the mice, some of the healthy mice, they, they injected them with this kind of cocktail that would, it would, would block irisin. And those mice, after they had it, started to show signs of dementia. Um, then they took the, the, the Alzheimer's bred mice and they injected them with irisin and they started to increase, like they started to, to show um, improvements in kind of in memory um, and, and in passing certain memory tests. Um, and then you had another group of mice that were healthy mice who exercised. So they were healthy and they exercised and they treated them with the cocktail to, to block the irisin. And they were actually able to fight off the effects of this cocktail much better than the ones that didn't exercise. And so I can't, you know, I guess the idea is that the exercise triggers this irisin release, which then helps to protect the brain. So the moral of the story is, um, as we've already known and we're learning more and more, and I'm sure there'll be more studies to, you know, confirm this is, you know, exercise doesn't just help your body, but it helps your brain. And the more you exercise, the less likely you are to deal with some of these cognitive um, issues. Was it the types of exercise that they mentioned? Uh, the, yeah, yeah, the mice swam for an hour. Is that what it was? Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, so, so I'm sure like as, over time we'll, we'll learn more and more about what, so what it, types of exercise. It, but it, it brings about another question and it's, which, which is classic, um, you know, drug medicine industry is, yeah, we know that, that exercise is great for maintaining uh, you know, your cognitive ability, especially for uh, older adults. And probably and, and just good in general, right? Like when you're exercising, you, you're thinking better. But the it, are are the drug companies going to jump on this and try to create a, well, a medication to help? Well, which is not well, a bad no, no, thing but, but so so in order to try to so help this is an interesting part deal of, with dementia and Alzheimer's and all those types of things. So this is an interesting part of the study is that it wasn't so the mice that exercised were better at producing the irisin. So it was it's not about creating a drug. I think at least for this one and, and what my takeaway is about my takeaway the takeaway from it is is not about let's you know it, it, I mean that that's another part. So yes, it, yeah, you know yeah. maybe that maybe that is a way to treat um to treat Alzheimer's or dementia. That wasn't the takeaway though from this study. The more the takeaway is exercise because it will help, you know, it pays dividends down the road. It helps with yeah. the production of the of of something that does help you to fight it off. So um yeah, sure, you know, but yeah, look, look those are some of the most uh, common, you know, not the most common diseases, but but they're common, they're prevalent in our society. So I, you know, definitely, drug companies are gonna try to, you know, um, treat that. Uh, you know, I wouldn't, you know, not not. I'd be more concerned about how they do, or the amount of, or the fact that they'll probably charge like eighteen thousand dollars a pill if they can. But you know, sure. The, um, but that aside, like I wouldn't be concerned about you know if there was a drug that. But, you know, protect against it, but but that's not kind of the moral of this. Like, yeah, yeah. No, no, I got gotcha. you. Well, we know what the moral is. So what? Keep exercising. 
keep yeah keep one, exercising <laughs> and actually another one, another interesting one so this deals with um parkinson's and uh, again uh, treating parkinson's with exercise so um this study was dealing with drills and damn it i don't I don't have the study offhand, so I'll post that in the show notes. But um, basically, with Parkinson's, it's a progressive neurodegenerative condition, um, and uh, you know, basically deals with kind of the death of dopamine-producing nerve cells, which kind of help to control motor function, control movement. So um, there's no cure. Um, people aren't really sure why it happens, um, and it's progressive. It's not, you know, it, it progresses at different rates for different people, but it, but it, it's it's one direction for now, you know. And so, um, you know, managing it is, is the best thing that you can yeah. kind of hope for um, right now. You know, hopefully, you know, at some point we come up with a cure. But but and, and it is one of the most heavily researched diseases. But you know, at this point, you know, you if you're diagnosed with that, you know, management is 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 the key. And so this is one showing, um, you know, how exercise can help and. And it kind of makes sense, um, and so it's kind of good to see a study that kind of bears this out. So basically, they you know studied two groups, and one group was kind of a control group, so they just kind of went about their normal you know normal activities, normal lives, um, medic you know kind of medicinal intervention. Um, the second group did was called a supervised high intensity sensory motor agility exercise program, which is basically an agility program. Um, and now they they went through a three week introductory or kind of introductory period or initial phase, and then they they followed them for two years after that with the, I think they checked them like th- like three months, six months, a year, um, 18 months, two years, you know, out after. And um, they measured um, kind of eight different outcomes relating to movement and quality of life. Um, and basically what they found was that after three weeks, um, the people that did the program um, had what they they qu- quoted as robust and favorable improvement um, to all of those eight um, outcomes or those eight measurements, um, and then the now so what they saw after two years was they maintained those improvements, but they didn't improve on the measurements. So it seems like what the uh, where where the control group um, showed a steady decline in all the eight measures. So basically, kind of. In this case, um, the agility training was at a minimum able to kind of help them to fight off the decline. And so, again, when you're dealing with something that is deal, you know, working with motor control, something about that agility program is able to help, um, you know, stimulate the system in a way that allowed them to, at a minimum, not, you know, show a huge decline. Now, the study was pretty small. It was, I think, only maybe 20 people per group. So it wasn't a huge, huge study. But again, you know, again, goes to show the importance of exercise in treating something um, as serious as Parkinson's. And, and so, you know, if you have that, you know, do, and, and also that, you know, I guess different exercise modalities will help different things. So, you know, agility training is going to be useful for this, but maybe it's not useful for, you know, all time or whatever it is, like when we're dealing with kind of exercise. So when it comes to programming, that's why I always kind of, I've said in the past, you know, trainers are not unnecessary, but our value a lot of times is accountability and and just being a body there to, to help somebody where you see true value is when you have a trainer that knows how to work with a special population. And, um, and in that case, they can help work with that population and work with um, modalities that will help them and not hinder them or just be kind of um, have no effect and just so that people know Ryan is referring to a question that was that we uh, asked and we actually discussed a little bit in the upcoming interview that you guys are about to hear about the Parkinson's I've actually known a few people with Parkinson's and yes doing agility uh, training and also boxing uh, is is really good and apparently those are 
those types of those types of exercise programs have been known to really uh, help and pay dividends for people suffering from Parkinson's. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, uh, yeah, that was it for the studies for this week. I don't know if there's much to add except like, you know, the, I think w- the theme this week wasn't intentional. It's more, you know, the value of exercise for your life, you know, d- just in staving off and or treating, you know, a variety of diseases that, you you know, doesn't immediately come to mind. But but that's why it's really important to work out. You know, we, we do it often to look better, but, um, you know, it really does pay off um, down the road. All right, cool. Well, I guess that's it for this, so we can go into our interview. Um, why don't you lead us in? Oh, we'll, we'll let we'll let Toe lead it in because it's her friend. Yeah. And uh, it was a great interview. It was really cool. Yeah, so this is a nutrition coach, Justin Murphy. He's the owner of iCoach Nutrition, and he has some really valuable insight about just general, like, individualized care of nutrition, and then particularly talks about those in the CrossFit space. So we're excited to have him. So without further ado, here's our interview. Hey everyone, we are here with Justin Murphy. What's going on, Justin? What's going on? Thank you so much for having me on the show today. Absolutely. Welcome. Yeah, welcome to the gym. Welcome to being on the Gym Wits. Uh, Justin is a nutrition coach and also has competed in CrossFit and worked with a lot of CrossFitters. So we're going to dive into that. But before we uh, get to the meat of the discussion. We always ask, what is your background in fitness? How did you get into it initially if you played sports growing up or maybe some people find the weight room because they didn't like sports? What's your story? Yeah, great question. Um, so, you know, I kind of grew up my whole entire life playing sports. Ever since I was probably three or four years old, I had you know some type of ball in my hand, basketball, football, baseball. Um, and so kind of through childhood, I, I grew up playing baseball. That was kind of my thing. I played like in select leagues and, you know, at some points I was playing like 160 games in a year. Um, and so as I got into middle school and high school, I played everything from soccer, basketball, football, um, powerlifting, track, cross country, skateboarding, um, and really was like, you know, pretty involved in sports growing up. Um, and then from there in high school, I was fortunate enough to receive a football scholarship. So I went and played college football. Um, and then after that, I kind of fell into the CrossFit space and, and that's when I started competing in CrossFit. And so through that time, I kind of fell in love with, you know, nutrition, fitness, kind of the whole health industry. Um, and really was kind of the trying to decide like, did I want to go like the physical therapy route or did I want to go the nutrition route or did I want to go like the college kind of like strength coach route? Um, and then, you know, as I am today, I own a online nutrition coaching company. And so kind of went all in on, on that. Nice. Just a, qu- a quick question. Is it possible for someone to make a living at CrossFit besides uh, either owning a franchise or being a coach? Like, is there a, a, a competition where you can, make a living doing that? Has it evolved to that, that point yet? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that there's, there's some guys out there that are really doing well. You know, if you think about like Jason Khalifa, um, you know, he was somebody that was like the 2008 CrossFit Games champion. And since then competed in the sport for, I think seven or eight years. And then now he owns multiple locations 
all throughout California and then even uh, corporate partnerships as well. But his gyms are called NC Fit. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's like one of the most successful entrepreneurs like out there in the fitness space right now. Um, so yeah, I mean, I definitely think that it's possible. I, I think that, you know, the old school model and kind of how CrossFit started, you know, way back in the day, it's, it's definitely evolved. You know, you can't just go open up some little shack on the side of the road and, you know, invite all your friends and have a thriving business. You know, you really have to like invest and, and, and really kind of build out something that's, that's pretty legit to be able to separate yourself from all of the other gyms because there's 15,000, there's 15,000 affiliates now. Yeah. I guess, uh, Justin, is your question more or less like, are they getting paid? To yeah, that, that's I actually that's what, what I was, was curious like, about. Is there like prize money? Can you actually make a living being a professional CrossFitter? Got it. Got it. I'm sorry. I'm the professional. Like, <laughs> but that's a, but you had a great answer too because yeah. I think there, there are, I'm sure there are people that are thinking would consider either being a, a CrossFit coach or owning a franchise or owning a, a gym, a similar style gym. So that was great information as well. Yeah, no, no. So with the athlete side of it, um, you know, like when I was competing, I, I was fortunate enough to like I was I got sponsored by a company called FitAid, um, and they were they were amazing. Like they did a lot of great things for the athletes in terms of like paying paying for us to like travel to different competitions and paying for our competitions and like sending us all of this like you know like supplements and all of that type of stuff. But like there was only a few athletes that were actually getting like paid like you know, money. Um, these days through sponsors and, and different things like that, like for instance, like Matt Frazier or Rich Froning, um, you know, Rich Froning, he got like a $7 million contract with Reebok. Um, but he's wow. like, a, you know, and so like Matt Frazier, like Matt Frazier has won $275,000. That's what like first place for winning the CrossFit games gets. Um, so he's won that like the last few years he has sponsors. So, you know, like some of these guys, like some of the best of the best in the world, like probably I would say maybe like the top 10 male and female or top five male and female, like consistently every single year, are the ones that are maybe making the big bucks, if you will. Um, but the sport is definitely not, you know, it's not like the NFL or something like that. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. So as a, as a, um, Nutrition coach, I guess, and an entrepreneur, like, what have you found to be the biggest kind of challenges for you kind of starting your own business um, in, in, a, in an industry and field that's fairly crowded? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the biggest piece is, you know, obviously, it's just kind of a, it's, it's definitely a lonely journey, right? Um, you know, you're kind of alone, if you will, you're working from home. And so for me, you know, like, ever since I started my business, like, the cool thing about it is, is like I, I, you know, I hired a mentor from the very beginning, which kind of got me into like a mentorship, like a mastermind group. Um, and so I, I put myself in the environment and surrounded myself with the people to, to allow me to kind of, you know, level up, if you will, and, and, and kind of push me to be successful and to keep staying consistent towards my goals. So that's that's definitely like a huge recommendation of, of mine and like other people that we work with. Um, it's just making sure that like you find some type of mentorship, whether it's paid or through podcasts and audiobooks and whatever, but like, you know, start to start to seek out those, those mentors in your life to, to help move you forward. And what's the process when someone works with you? Like kind of how do you go about, um, 
you know, kind of bringing on a new client um, and kind of integrating them into your, your own kind of systems? Yeah. So, um, you know, I think one thing that we started doing like from the very beginning was this kind of idea of like individualized coaching. Um, which is, you know, it's the farthest thing from like, Hey, here's a meal plan or here's a template. Good luck. Or here's your macros. Good luck. You know, it's, it's so much more than that. Um, but I think that a lot of people have kind of, you know, like individualized coaching is now like what most people do. And so what we've kind of started to formulate and like develop now, we call it like basically creating your identity map and what this is, what this idea with this con like kind of philosophy is, is just simple idea of like, you know, every single one of us, like from the first day that we came onto this earth, like we've been influenced by, you know, our parents, the school, the, the government, the, you know, religion, food, all of these different components that have kind of made up our life. And so through this identity mapping process, we start to identify well, what, like, let's take you, when we assess, when we first start working with a client, like, how do we take you through the process of like, like I really need to assess and take you all the way back to like childhood, right? Like I need to learn as much about you as I possibly can so that I can, you know, help and educate you and equip you with the tools that you need to be successful going forward for the rest of your life. Now, and I totally agree with you and I completely understand that concept and you know that I'm a, a dietitian nutrition coach as well. And when I try to go there with my clients, it definitely takes a long time for them to really open up. So like, how do you get people to want to understand that they're not just working with a nutrition coach and it's a lot deeper than that if they really want to get to their, to solve their problems. Um, and like, do you find that there are barriers to that? And like, then how do you break them down? Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that, like, everybody's different, you know, like, I, I definitely wouldn't say that, like, everybody just completely opens up and tells me their life story, like, day one, you know, I think, like, for us, probably, like, in that first month or two or three, like, you know, we're really just trying to, like, build rapport with that client and, like, get to know them and, like, you know, really just, like, get them to, like, trust us and, and make sure that, like, you know, we're fostering, like, a friendship, a relationship, um, rather than just, like, giving out, like, some prescription or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, like I said, it's, it's, it's a lot easier said than done, right? Like obviously there's going to be those, those roadblocks. There's going to be those things that we're going to have to work really hard to overcome. And so I think that like the mindset aspect of it, you know, I always joke, I'm like, you come to us, most people come to us for like nutrition coaching, but like really it's like the mindset that's like developed along the way, like that's where the value comes. And so um, we, you know, we look into like a whole bunch of different aspects and it's different for everybody, but it's really just about meeting that person where they are and like, you know, slowly but surely like, you know, helping and educating them and, and equipping them with the tools to be successful. And also, you know, recognizing that, look, like it's okay. You're not going to be perfect. I'm not asking you to be perfect. Like we really just probably need to start with like the one thing, like your, your number one issue. And then, you know, like just go from there. You know, I think like this kind of habit based coaching approach is is definitely uh, something that kind of allows us to play the long game and creates long term success. Yeah, so so when you're yeah, when you're dealing with new like with new clients, I see it, you know, often um, there are kind of gaps in knowledge or, or gaps in um, 
you know, or, or disconnect between kind of goals and expectations, reality. So what are the most common, maybe, you know, let's say one or two most common things that you encounter that, you, you know, gaps that you do have to plug with your patients or clients um, before you get them kind of going into a program that's going to be successful long-term? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, I think from like the very beginning and like, obviously most people come to us with, with a goal, some type of goal. Right. But I think like the biggest missing link is like, they haven't taken the time to really dive deep into like the why behind why they actually want to like accomplish that goal. Right. Um, so, you know, I think that, and that's, that's really a hard concept for a lot of people to like understand because they've probably never gone through it before. You know, most people don't really like write their goals for the next year, like plan any of that stuff. And so like when you start going through a lot of these like personal development activities and and you kind of help people, you know, obviously with nutrition, which then kind of translates into other areas of life, like productivity um, and kind of building success in every pillar of life. So we kind of talk about like you know, body being balanced in business, which is something from like Garrett White, but it's, it's phenomenal because people come to you with these body goals and then you can help them kind of expand into these other, other pillars as well. Um, so to answer your question, sorry for kind of going off on a tangent. Um, but yeah, I think that's a big one, like not identifying and not building up like a strong enough why to help you overcome all of the struggles that you're going to come across along the way. Um, and then the other thing is just like consistency, right? Like it's getting people to like, you know, stay consistent with the goals that we're setting for them. And so I think so many people these days, like being 2019 and having access to all of these different things, everybody has this kind of like all or nothing mentality where it's like, I'm going to stay extremely strict and I'm going to change all of these things in my life. And like, sure, you can do it for like 30 days, but then you like fall off. So it's like getting people again to like understand that like, look, you know, you didn't just like gain 50, 100 pounds or whatever, like overnight, like this, this took time and like, it's, it's going to take time for us to transform you, you know, physically, mentally, you know, and so on and so forth to, to really allow you to start living your best life. So, so I have a question about value. Um, because for all three of us and for you, you you work um, you're working for yourself, and you have to sell yourself. And now I'm not in the the fitness profession, but I'm in a very similar profession uh, in in a weird way. I'm a musician, and I have to sell my services. So the it's just so common that that this happens where someone will want my service, or perhaps want a trainer, or dietitian, nutritionist. And see that it's expensive, right? That to continue doing this, you know, week after week, month after month, it's really expensive. And then they look at they, there's some new fancy book that they have to that that you only have to pay for once, or or a a program that you know seems very you know advertised on TV that seems to give you fast results. How do you how do you tell someone about your value? How yes, you could buy a book. You could do some program that you know some buzzy program, but that the the, the value in having a, a coach, a personalized coach, you know, week after week, month after month, even though it's more expensive, that's you're you're getting the bang for your buck. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a, it's a phenomenal question, you know, and I think it's one that like we always challenge ourselves with as entrepreneurs. Um, you know, I think for us, the biggest piece that, that we try to kind of get across is that, you know, information, I mean, my God, we live, it's 2019, right? The information is out there everywhere for free, right? The magic is in the application. And so kind of the way we market that and prove that is like, we have like a VIP member site that is completely free. Like we've built it, we spent money on building it. It has all these resources and we just give it away for free. Cause again, it's just information, right? The eBooks, like, so anything, all the content that's created, right? All of this social media content that's created, like everybody just gives that out for free. And that's the information. So like you said, hiring a coach, hiring a mentor, like what that does is it allows you to really like collapse time and it allows you to really get individualized application. Right. It, it educates you one. Right. So that you can eventually do it on your own. Right. And then they equip you with the tools to be successful long term. So like we talk about with nutrition, it's like we want to equip you and help you build like your nutritional tool belt. Um, so that's that's really like the biggest piece on it is like you're right. I mean, when people come to work with you, they're 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 paying like they're they're paying that top tier price because the information you know, it just hasn't gotten them to where they, where they want to be. You know, it, it comes a time in your life, right? Where it's like, if you were going to do it, like you had already done it by now. Right. And so eventually you pay to help people, you know, either hold you accountable or educate you or, you know, help you network or whatever, whatever that missing link is between A and B to get you to that goal. You know, eventually like you figure out that if you invest in yourself, Right. If you make that that payment, you pay attention. Um, and, you know, I'm a huge, huge believer in coaches and that, like, you know, every coach needs a coach and, and really everybody in this world could benefit from a good coach. Yeah. Yeah. It's a common um, comment or question that I get from people is, you know, do you are you afraid that with, you know, the prevalence of, of apps and Internet and everything like that, that it'll render kind of your job um, as a trainer or fitness, fitness professional uh, obsolete? And, yeah, I think the the, the information is there and, and most good, you know, professionals aren't going to try to hide that. You know, it's like, you know, you're not hiding that. You know, look, if anybody can re- go online or use an app and get reasonably good advice and unless there's a direct medical issue like you can get everything you need online, but that's not the value of, of having one of us around. You know, the value is in the coaching and is in applying that to the person and tailoring something based on our experience and knowledge that, that will be successful and it's in the coaching. And sometimes it's just in the babysitting and accountability part. But yeah, it's like there, you know, I think there's, it's all out there and I don't think anybody tries to, or anyone really should try to hide it because you can go online and find out almost everything you need to you know about getting in shape or eating wary well. Or, of anything that says, oh, we have the secret yeah. to how you lose fat or something. Well, you something know, honestly, like that's something, you know, one one approach, um, I had a friend who did this, uh, I remember I was uh, I was hanging out with him one day and and um, he's a physical therapist and, and for him, he charges a lot of money and he doesn't take um, uh, insur- medical insurance. So, his guys, like everyone that comes to him is paying a, a good deal of money. And the way he works with them is he tries to, you know, he's aware of that. So he tries to work with people, you know, at a limited time and kind of arm them with the information and arm them with the exercises to kind of work with him a little bit and then they're on their way. But what he'll do in his consultation is if, if somebody's not 
sold on working with him because it's because of the price. He always will then arm them with questions and information to information to ask other people. So it's like if you're going to a practitioner, you know, at a regular, you just kind of a you know potentially generic facility, like ask them certain questions and here's what you need to know. And and if you get X, Y, and Z answer, be wary. And if you don't, then this is somebody you can work with. And I think that, you know, yeah, being transparent is, is a huge part of people trusting you. And, and even if they don't sign up right away, they'll come back. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more, right? The, 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 you know, the buy, the no like, and trust factor, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and at the end of the day, I think we all are in our profession because we genuinely want to help people. And if you can, if you can let people know that you really can solve their problems then they recognize that, that the money is a return on their investment. And it's exactly that. It's an investment in themselves. It's not an expense. An expense yeah. is something you write off. Yeah. An investment is something you get back. You get value in return. And so if we're good coaches, we're doing a good job explaining that to them that this is literally going to change their life for the better. It's going to enhance their life. It's going to improve their life. And there really is no amount of dollars that is worth your health and happiness. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I couldn't agree more. And, and, and really, like, if, if it was that analytical person, right, and they did want to break it down, it's like, okay, well, like, let's add up all the money that you've spent up into this point on XYZ, mm-hmm. right? And then, like, if this is that solution for you, then it's 100% worth it, you know? Yeah. So um, let's just shift gears a little bit. I wanted to talk about CrossFit because we, you know, as big as CrossFit's been, um, we haven't talked all that much about it um, on our podcast. So I guess the first, you know, first question for you is, um, I guess maybe explain to people what CrossFit is. I mean, at this point, most people have, you know, most people have heard of it. Most people know what it is. But maybe explain kind of how, what's the value in in CrossFit as as kind of a modality for for people to participate in, whether, you know, let's say, you know, we'll start with, let's say, just the average person, and then we'll, you know, we'll get into a little bit of, uh, as far as being a CrossFit athlete and what that entails and, and kind of how that differs maybe from somebody who's just joining, um, you know, regular gym. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, so CrossFit, you know, originally it was kind of defined as like constantly varied functional movement performed at high intensity. And, you know, you, you hear that and like the first two pieces, you know, they, they might sound okay, but then that high intensity piece really scares a lot of people. Um, and so what's really interesting actually is this year is the year that CrossFit finally shifted away from being primarily, um, a sport. Um, they actually got rid of the CrossFit regionals. And so now the way that they go about the CrossFit games process is completely different and their marketing is completely different. They're now, you'll see videos like coming across of like 70, 80 year old, like grandpas and grandmas, like doing like squats, AKA like squatting down to sit into their chair and standing back up. So when you think about the evolution, like of, you know, basically like your general population, right. And then these like elite level athletes, CrossFit can truly be applied to, to anybody and it can be, it's, it's universally scalable. So the concept of CrossFit that's really cool is like, I could, I could take a workout and I could put Matt Frazier, who's the fittest man on earth and have him do the workout. And then I could have an 85 year old grandpa do the same exact workout, but for example, if the workout was like 21, 15, 9 thrusters and pull-ups, which is called Fran, it's a really, really popular CrossFit workout, 
So Matt would do that. He would do regular pull-ups and he would do, or like he would do what's called like butterfly pull-ups and then his weight on the thrusters would be at 95 pound barbell, okay? But what I could do for the grandpa is I could scale that and I could have them do maybe, um, you know, like I could scale down the reps to something lower. So maybe they just do like 12, nine, six. And then I could have them do like, um, you know, just sit down onto a box and stand back up and maybe have like a PVC pipe in their hand to then press over their head. And that could be their thruster. And then I could take the row or the pull up and I could change that to something that's easier as well. So really the point of that is like just to, to illustrate that, yes, CrossFit's kind of universally scalable and it and really anybody can do it. Um, you just have to make sure that obviously like, you know, you kind of have the right coaching and you know how to, how to scale appropriately. So, so being a cynic, I wonder like, cause I've always seen, um, you know, CrossFit as, uh, you know, mar- I guess as marketed as being, you know, as intense as, as it kind of its reputation, um, is, is, is that shift away more of a marketing thing or is it legitimate? Like, you know, like kind of because for me, for me, I almost think, like, oh, well, it's just that shift because you do want to scale for other people so you can make a little, you know, so you as a brand, you, you open yourself up to more people. But do you is it more do you think there's that value? And, and then I guess if you do scale back, you know, as far as modifications, doesn't it just become like a standard kind of a normal everyday workout? Yeah, I mean, I think um, so. I mean, you know, honestly, I don't, I don't know enough to really. <laughs> To really know but like I mean I think like one thing I did notice and this was obviously me working with athletes is that when they you know most people that were like really really competitive like die hard and you know, I was training like three or four hours a day just to make it to regionals um, so like when they took regionals away this year that wiped out a lot of that like competitive population except for the really really top tier athletes so it did kind of shift, you know, a lot of those regional athletes now shifted their mindset into, okay, well, how do I like start my career now, right? Like I can't keep competing in this. There's nothing in it for me and things like that. Um, so I think that it, it definitely is kind of shifting more in that way. But then, you know, yeah, at the same time, I, I think, yes, the more you scale, the more it can end up being like, you know, this type of corrective exercise or, yeah. or whatever, the community aspect of it, like that would be the thing that is like most important. And that would always be true is, you know, the community of CrossFit, like being able to, you know, come into a gym and like, you know, get, you know, welcomed by name and like have like friends that have now become like more like family. Like that's the big piece. Yeah. Uh, you don't find in like a global gym. Yeah. No, so now, um, as a, as an athlete, I guess, um, what what are the options for people without regionals now? Like, what do you do if you are somebody who is a high level athlete who you know the, you know maybe a year or two ago would be competing and, and doing well in, in the like for you like because um, I think you mentioned that you've placed. What would you do if you wanted to f- continue to compete um, in CrossFit? Yeah, so I I kind of I kind of got lucky I guess like right when I graduated school with my nutrition degree was like basically right when I decided to quit competing in CrossFit. Um, and so that was like, you know, obviously a few years before all of this happened, but really the options now are like, you know, if you're not competing at that CrossFit games level, which is where you're having like sanctioned events, for example. So like this weekend they have a really big CrossFit competition in Miami. It's called Wadapalooza. 
and they have like an online qualifier for it. And then from there, there's like invite only and it's this huge, huge competition. And so like the top however many athletes from that qualify automatically for the CrossFit Games. But like this is like the most elite athletes in the world, right? So if you're not at that, then, you know, you're talking about just going to local competitions really and it just kind of becoming more of like a hobby for you. So I, I think um, the uh, big question that I'm, I'm certainly wondering and perhaps a lot of our listeners at, at this point are wondering, so for the – Fairly high level CrossFitter to maybe the elite CrossFitter, clearly nutrition is going to be very important. And oftentimes when we you know, think of seeing a nutrition coach or dietitian, we think of, you know, we're trying to lose weight. That's what most people think of. But performance is another huge aspect of nutrition. So, and I, once again, everyone is different, but what are some important things to think about when fueling yourself for a uh, fairly high level crossfit or perhaps a uh, or a sort of an event or something that's very or sim- similar to that yeah so i think with um you know the biggest kind of issue that you see in, in the crossfit space with nutrition is that you know like it, and, and it's gotten a little bit better now like i think there's definitely more education in the space but like you know, for a lot of people, we kind of went through this like paleo phase, you know, like whole 30, you know, like uh, we went through a lot of like lower carbohydrate diets that were popularized. And so when you come into this CrossFit setting, which is kind of more of a performance setting, you know, at least kind of up into this point, we'll see how the transition carries out. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a glycolytic setting, you know, and so, you know, glycolysis, right, like basically fueled by carbohydrates. And so you would see people that were coming into the gym on these low carbohydrate diets. And, you know, maybe at first they might be okay, just because maybe they were new to CrossFit. um, And they were having that adaptation. But like later on, like they would actually start to experience issues because they weren't fueling themselves properly. So the lack of like carbohydrates in the diet um, and like appropriate, like fueling, you know, pre and post workout strategies. Um, and also like the people that were actually working out a lot, like, you know, they simply just weren't even consuming enough calories because, you know, they were used to maybe eating X amount while they're at, you know, 24 hour fitness working out and like resting three minutes between sets. And now they're over here doing these like hardcore CrossFit workouts. And so just the fuel demands, the fuel requirements are just, you know, it's just way more than what they're used to. So, yeah, I, I think that was a big, big thing that we've seen. And I think, you know, we still see today whether it's under eating or, uh, you know, specifically like under eating carbohydrates. Yeah, I think the big thing I definitely see is overtraining and under eating. So what signs do you find that are very apparent if someone is either overtrading or under eating or not eating enough carbohydrates, what should they be looking out for? Yeah, absolutely. So we do this thing where we track kind of like, you know, biofeedback. And so essentially it's just kind of looking into, you know, your sleep, your energy levels, your digestive, your performance, your recovery, your hunger. Uh, we even look into like sex drive and mood and, and different factors like that. And so, whether it's a daily assessment or a weekly assessment, um, you know, just like making sure that like one, before you start, uh, 
CrossFit or if you're already currently doing CrossFit, like just assess all of these things. Like, are you having issues like falling asleep at night or are you constantly waking up throughout the night? Um, you know, are you constantly like getting injured? Like, are you always sore? Like, do you feel like you're not recovering well? Um, do you feel like you're just getting absolutely like crushed in workouts and like not progressing in workouts, like hitting new PRs? Um, you know, those are probably like some of the, some of the things, uh, just to list a few. Yeah, for sure. So I know that, um, nutritionists and dietitians always want you to get your, you know, get the, uh, get your nutrients, get all the, from real food, you know, whole foods and, you know, the, that's the healthy route. But are there any supplements that actually are that a supplement that can help a little bit when doing something as intense as CrossFit? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think the, the big piece with like supplements, especially like in a performance type of, of, you know, environment like CrossFit is that it really just depends on like who we're talking about and like how intense they're going. So I'll give you an example, like for the high level CrossFit athletes we're working with, like regional games athletes, like, you know, like Logan Collins, for instance, he was taking in, you know, five, 6,000 calories a day. Like, he wasn't doing that eating paleo, I promise you that, mm-hmm. right? Almost, I, I would say two-thirds, maybe even half of his overall intake was supplementation, mm-hmm. right? And so that's through, like, protein and carbohydrate supplements. And, uh, you know, like, that would never be something that, like, general population we would recommend. But when you're competing at such a high level, when you're sitting here training five, six hours a day plus, like, right. when you're at the CrossFit Games, like, it's crazy. Like people just don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but going back to like general pop, like, you know, I would say, yes, you can definitely get benefit from, you know, doing like a protein carbohydrate shake after a workout, like, because it is glycolytic and like, it can definitely help you kind of make that shift. Like if you've ever done CrossFit before it's high intensity, right? So if you do a workout and you're like laying on your back after the workout, like you're kind of like shaking, right? And so like that's like very, very sympathetic, like fight or flight. And when you drink that protein carbohydrate shake, so like 25 grams of carbs, 25 grams of protein after the workout, it really kind of helps you make that shift from like sympathetic to parasympathetic. Like you can truly like feel it. But like, again, if if you don't have like all of like the whole foods and nutrition and like all of those things figured out, like I wouldn't even be wasting your time with supplementation. So, um, so early on kind of in the days of CrossFit, I think one of the main major kind of issues with it seemed to be like kind of a high prevalence um, of injuries. And I think a lot of that was less to do with CrossFit, you know, as a modality itself being wrong and more to do with people, um, uh, you know, just kind of maybe improper coaching combined, you know, then combined with like kind of the high intensity with heavier weights. But um, do you find if it's done properly, is there still kind of a higher risk of injury just because of the nature of the sport? of the sport and the activity. And then the second question, um, kind of connected to it sort of is, is if you can explain kind of, um, what rhabdomyolysis is. And I know it's kind of, you know, jokingly called like the CrossFit disease, but kind of why it happens, um, and, and how to avoid it if you are doing something like CrossFit, especially if you're just kind of starting out. Yeah, absolutely. Great question. Um, yeah. So to answer the first question, you know, going back, I think like, you know, as far as like becoming affiliate, or affiliated with CrossFit, right? To be able to like promote as a CrossFit gym, like when it first started, like I think it was like $500 to become an affiliate. 
So that means any Joe Schmo can go from off the street, get a level one certification, and then pay $500 a month, or $500 a year to get affiliated and call itself a CrossFit gym, right? So yeah, you're gonna have tons of injuries. Yeah. Um, I think last time I checked, I think it was like around 3,500 for an affiliate, which still is not a lot, and that's why you'll still see injury to this day. So. You know, I just kind of make the comparison as like, look, there's good nutrition coaches, there's there's bad nutrition coaches, there's good RDs, there's bad RDs, there's good PTs, there's bad R, you know, PTs, there's good CrossFit gyms, there's bad CrossFit gyms. Like, you know, it really just depends. And so when you first go to a CrossFit gym, like, you know, find like the three to five CrossFit gyms that are closest to you and try each one of them out. Like, see, like you'll be able to tell like with the different coaching. Like, not all CrossFit gyms are created equal. Um, so. That's kind of where I would I would go with that, but you know I think that like it all comes down to the individual coach and the gym, um, and uh, you know like making sure as like the athlete coming in that like look if you've been sitting on your butt on the couch for the past five years not working out, like don't come into that that first class and try to be Superman and you know get in that competitive environment and just go 100% and get injured. You know what I mean? Um, so on the, as far as rhabdo goes, um, you know, I think that, yeah, so basically what it, what it is, you know, is it's something that occurs, um, I, I don't think it's as prevalent as like it used to be, but it's something that definitely did used to happen quite a bit. Um, and really what it is, is it, it's something, you know, it's, it's extremely serious. Like it's something that can kind of leave you like literally like in the, in the hospital, um, with like kidney issues. Um, but you know, the reason why it happens is because people will come in and they'll do a workout that has some type of movement or repetitive movement that they'll do. So for example, this is the one that comes to mind. There's a, a workout called Murph. Okay. Um, it's what's called like a hero workout. So, um, Murph was like, you know, somebody was, that was in the military and, and he died and this was like a workout that was like named after him. Um, and so it's 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 air squats per time. And obviously, that many reps of a movement, right, especially for somebody that's deconditioned, that isn't, you know, able to do something like that, they'll actually get something like, you know, they'll get rhabdo. Um, and it can leave them in the hospital. And, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely pretty serious for sure. Yeah. I've never even heard of that term before. So can we break it down? What is it? <laughs> like, it's a physical injury. How would it lead to kidney damage? I'm confused. Uh, so honestly, I mean, I'm, I definitely don't claim to be like a, a rhabdomyolysis uh, <laughs> expert here. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's like, it's truly just something that like, it, it happens from over exercising, okay. especially okay. doing like, like it's just it's it's being an idiot really like it's not something that's just going to happen to anybody it's going to happen to somebody that you know maybe does a workout like Murph like I just mentioned on um you know on 4th of July or or, or Labor Day or Memorial Day or whatever and then they go and they just like drink all weekend mm -hmm. right they're like deconditioned and then they go put all this alcohol in their body like I mean, it's like extreme cases like that but it's it's definitely something to you know be aware of it's definitely something that you know can can cause issues yeah 
Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we're pretty, a little on the spot with that, but yeah, no, yeah, it's basically like it's a, it's it's like an extreme breakdown in muscle tissue, um, and then the the um, the tissue I forget it releases I think um, uh, myoglobin or something into the bloodstream, which causes you can cause intense fatigue, soreness, pain, like a feeling like you can't do anything, you, you blood in the urine, um, and uh, it, it's not not fun. But yeah, I think that's it. It's like I think for most people, it's it's really over overtraining in an under. I like Justin's state. his definition. It's being an idiot. <laughs> well, yeah, basically is yeah. Um, I mean, and- it's definitely like it's not going to be something that like you know like for for instance like if if I was somebody that had never heard of CrossFit before and like I heard about this and like there was any mention of it like if I was just trying to go exercise and like you know, do something good for my life. And I heard, you know, the, the, the symptoms are like potential yeah. risk of like, like it would scare the death. Yeah. Out. yeah. So like I wanted to seem like it's something that like happens all the time. Like I think it's somewhere around, it's like less than like 200,000 like cases like per year, like reported. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it really is by, it, it's, it's something that like you really kind of did to yourself. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's the coach's job and it's that gym's job to educate their members on what Rabdo is from the very beginning, like, and make sure that they, you know, obviously coach those athletes and scale those athletes appropriately. Yeah, I think it's, it was like, it's like the perfect storm of, of kind of, um, you know, the kind of no pain, no gain mentality, the, you know, the actual, you know, with CrossFit, the, you know, because, it, you know, there are, there are certain kind of goals either for time or repetitions or, or both. Um, and then, and then people maybe, you know, especially a lot, you know, not great coaching um, and, and not letting somebody know that you need to listen to your body. It's kind of, yeah, that like perfect storm of things that happens. And then all of a sudden you got people who are, you know, couple weeks in and they're just like I see it in I teach um you know kickboxing and boxing and um you know one of the biggest things that you know one first thing I tell people when they join is like look you're gonna love this you're gonna have a great time but start off with one class a day you know do that for a while if you if you okay one class a day then maybe try you know a second class because otherwise there are people that will stay for five six hours in a day just training over and over and over and they'll do that for like a week or two and then all of a sudden they disappear um because Mm -hmm. you just you know just overtraining is really easy when you're in an environment that you enjoy and so yeah kind of like it's incumbent on like the coaches and I, i definitely it seems like it's a lot less common and you don't hear about it nearly as much now that I think there's far more competent coaching and I think just CrossFit um, a you know as you talked about the barrier to entry is lower and I just think um, you know kind of as an organization you know if one of the knocks against you is that people get injured all the time you kind of have to curb that and I think um, it's definitely been much better over the last few years you don't hear nearly as much about people kind of getting hurt um, and dealing with kind of symptoms of overtraining and or rhabdo. Yeah, and it just it also sounds like it's lack of self care and what you're doing outside of yeah. the gym, like recovery and nutrition, which is so important, especially at that higher intensity level. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it you know, like those same people are probably like not getting enough sleep, like they're probably like not doing like mobility, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. eating right, they're probably drinking too much alcohol, you know. But but you know, going Tony, going back to your your question, like on some of the symptoms and stuff, like. When I like when I have heard of it, like I mean, it's it's basically like you know you'll see it like in your urine, um, you'll have like crazy crazy like muscle pain and weakness. Like sometimes like you'll even be like throwing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, it, it's like it when, like when you get it, like you definitely know. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. 
Dude, Justin, <laughs> you are awesome. You know, like, so much really cool stuff. And thanks for coming on the gym. It's where can we find you? Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. Have, so, have you ever considered having your own podcast? Do you have your own podcast? Um, well, well I'm, you'd be I'm great not- at it. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. No, um, we actually are launching uh, the iCoach podcast here in 2019. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely pretty excited for it. But, um, yeah, as far as where people can find me, um, like I said, I, I own a company, an online coaching, uh, nutrition coaching company called iCoach Nutrition. Um, so you can find us on Instagram at that, um, on Facebook at that, and uh, iCoachNutrition.com is the website. And then my own personal account on Instagram is probably like where I'm at the most. Um, that's just Justin Murphy underscore iCoach. You can put it in the, show, it in the show notes. Awesome. Yeah, we will definitely put it in the show notes. All right, I'm going <laughs> to turn on the camera now. Just, uh, you know, I often don't do that just for our, our listeners. <laughs> so we could, huh? we, could send, uh, we could send Justin off, who's been such a, a great guest. So, uh, Justin, thanks for coming on the, uh, on the Gym Wits. It was a great discussion. And you're welcome back anytime. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate it. It's funny, Ryan. It, it's hard. F- you can't really hide it. But you, you don't really like CrossFit. And it, no. it comes out. No. <laughs> uh, it, 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 it comes out. So the, the question no. is, have you, been, have you been sort of lightening or, or loosening your um, disdain for CrossFit? I'm not, I don't have disdain for CrossFit. I think, I think my... Yeah, he does prejudice towards crossfit really does stem a lot from that you know initial issue of kind of poor coaching um and i think that there was a time it's not the same anymore but uh, crossfit people were kind of douchebags like you know there was a time where like i'm not saying that's current i think that there was a time where like you could see online like some of the funniest kind of memes you know especially in the early days of that being really a big thing online were about crossfitters because they were kind of douchey about about it and in your face and like they were going to tell you that they did crossfit and you were going to know and i just don't think it's the same anymore and 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 um i think there's value in the community and as long as the coaching is good um, it's it's great, you know. I, I think my issue more stems from kind of it, it's the same as my issue with like any modality that makes claims that that you know maybe or maybe it's not great for you know. And so it's like you know, there, and I don't think it's the same as as it was you know five six seven years ago. So you know, again, I'm not disdain towards it. It's more just like you know know what you're doing. But that 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 would apply to to anything. And and I definitely don't feel like cross people are as kind of douchey as they used to be although i I will say one thing i've had i have a few a few crossfit friends um earlier crossfit friends who at least five people i swear and i swear i if you if you don't believe me i will point them all out on facebook to you like that that you know that all talked up about oh you don't get injured doing crossfit if anyone gets injured doing it um it's because they're doing it wrong blah 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 every single one of them have had some kind of a major knee or hip surgery three no two had hip replacement Two had major knee surgeries, and the other one had a hip, you know, another kind of hip uh, labrum tear, which is a, a, a serious injury. And I'm not saying it was, it was their use of, you know, the CrossFit at the time, but um, it seemed interesting to me that they all kind of had that thing in common. But I don't hate CrossFit, so don't, don't, all right, no, no so hate now. A yay or yay or nay for you guys and for us? Does Ryan hate CrossFit? <laughs> yay. Oh, I'm sure Tony will abstain. <laughs> from from the voting and Ryan will say no it's I I didn't say it's bad it's so not say bad. nay yay okay you said yay right 
uh, yay if you want to do it. I told you, you admit it. If you want to do it. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So, um, well, that I think that's uh, that's it for today. You want? You have anything to add, Tone? Nope. Just you know. <laughs> hope you're still staying healthy in 2019. Yeah. Well, it will help. Let's. Uh, what? Where can people find you? Um, oh, and, and your program. Uh, if you well, oh yeah. So if you're interested in working with me one on one, you go to www.tipswithtony.com/coaching. You can apply to work with me. We'll set up a call. Make sure you're a good fit for the program. And that's pretty much it. If you have any questions, you can message me on Instagram, tips underscore with underscore Tony with an I, or you can join my free Facebook support group on Facebook, Tips with Tony. Cool. All right. Well, that's it. Um, as usual, all, all of our stuff can be found at thegymwits.com. And that's it. All of our social media, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, all that good stuff. So I'm Ryan George. I'm Justin Guild, a.k.a. Chef Sonic, reminding you that truth does not sell. And I'm Tony Marinucci, a.k.a. Tips with Tony, a registered dietitian, helping you get healthy one bite at a time. And we are the Gym, Gym Wits. Wits.